since the dawn of time, many of the world's best thinkers have tried to understand Wikipedia. Leonardo da Vinci, Socrates, Einstein. But all have failed until now. Two great warriors have stepped forward. I am Ben Graw the Mighty. And I am Garth Remington the Kingslayer. They aren't thinkers, they're doers. And they're going to review every single page on Wikipedia. That task is impossible. And remember, if you listen to this podcast, then hot girls will want to hook up with you. We totally will. This is the Wiki Review. Oh my god, look, I'm in a strip club. This is so cool. I'm so cool right now. I mean, we give it shit, but if this podcast was getting Neo Geo numbers, I would be psyched. Oh yeah, they're clearly better than us. Yeah, I am down. (laughs) I am so down. Hello and welcome to Wiki Review. I'm Ben Graw. I'm Gareth Remington. And on this episode, it was my turn to pick the Wikipedia page, and I kind of got lazy and forgot. So just before we started, I looked around the room and just picked the first thing that I saw, which just happened to be a video game console. So on this episode, we're doing the Wikipedia page for video game console. Mega! PlayStation. EA Sports. It's in the game. Alright, I'm good. <laughs> what was your first one? Mega? Isn't it Sega? No, no, on the Sega Mega Drive, mm. when you turn it on, the first thing it does is go, Mega! Oh, really? I don't think I ever owned a Mega Drive. I owned oh. a Master System. Yeah, no, I had a Mega Drive. I didn't have a Master System. Alex the Kid on there. Because did the Mega Drive have that as well, where when you turned it on and there was no game in there, there'd be a game built into the system? No, the Mega Drive did not have that. that was the Master just... System had that. Yeah, it was just a Master System thing. Everyone knew Alex the Kid. Considering that Mario was like the Nintendo boy. Alex really was the Sega guy. And where is he now? I know, he kind of got usurped by Sonic, didn't he? Yeah, it's like they didn't believe in the guy that they started with. They like went, well, let's go with this Sonic guy. Everyone went, well, hang on, what about Alex? Come on, guys, he's just a kid (laughs) who's like playing Rochambeau for like gambling purposes. Though Mario 2 had slot machines. It's a lot of gambling in old games. But Mario's Italian and he's got a mustache, so it's okay. (laughs) Alex was a kid, so that's not okay. You shouldn't be encouraging kids kids to gamble but kids using an old Italian man as an avatar to gamble that's fine so if they go onto a website right now and say yes I am 18 and then start playing Texas Hold'em that's fine yeah Mario is one of the few people who can pull off a mustache mustaches are coming back but more in like a hipster esoteric way where it's like look how stupid I can look in the 70s and the early 80s mustaches were all the rage Mario's just kept it in fact imagine a Mario with no mustache like they just did like one where it's like oh this is like Mario the kid or whatever 
He doesn't have a mustache. Wouldn't that blow your mind? Well, they have done Mario the Kid where he's a baby. Did he have a mustache? He doesn't have a mustache. Well, did it blow your mind? Not overly. It was a baby. I wasn't expecting a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I did not know that. You've proven your point. <laughs> yeah, don't try and ace me at Mario history. We've been through this. Let's stick to Alex. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is Alex the name of that thing that's like the Google box? Or is that's that a- Alexa. Alexa. Maybe Alex had a sex change and upgraded to Google. So Alex is now Alexa. That makes sense. That's fine. Because Sonic does have a cartoon. Yes. And the voice was done by... Oh, what was the... Damn it. What was the guy's name? Earl. Not Earl. Oh, the guy who played Earl in My Name is Earl. No, no, no. The... Did I do that? Urkel. Yeah, Urkel. Urkel. It was... Sonic was voiced by Urkel. No way. Yes. Oh, that's Same so cool. voice actor. I don't know who plays Urkel, though. Because I've seen Urkel in a couple of movies recently. Not like good movies and not like good parts, but I've seen Urkel acting and you go, holy shit, that's Urkel. I thought he was dead. Because <laughs> he is one of those guys that it's fair enough to assume he died. It's good when you see those people getting work. He deserves it. Out of anyone, he was a sensation for acting like a dork when he's a really cool guy. And after that, he's kind of been written off from doing any role ever. And he's a good actor. There's no problems there. It was the same as before on a previous episode when we looked into Matilda. Yeah, yeah. And we found she's still working now. And part of that made me feel good. It really did. Urkel and Matilda are still working. So I'm happy with that. Like, That's fine. I'm glad that they're able to scratch a living out of what little means they can. Because there are some child actors who are now like the big shots. It's kind of like the kids who are Mouseketeers who are now the famous like Britney Spears and now the big famous, you know, musicians. You kind of hate those people. So you got famous real young and now you're the big star. Of course you're famous now. You got in before everyone else. But when you hear a star who is a child sensation is now nobody, you kind of get depressed. Well, at least give them something. That's not fair. They should at least be a C-lister. But no, did you watch the Sonic TV show? I haven't watched it, but I've seen little bits of it. I remember he really liked Chili Dogs. Sonic? Yes. Is there a reason? No, he just really liked him in the TV show. Uh, Every episode, he was always hankering for a Chili Dog. That wasn't in the game. Like, shouldn't they have to stick to the canon? Like, shouldn't he really like rings? And freeing bunny rabbits from machines? And emeralds. He likes emeralds. The rings and the emeralds didn't really come up a lot in the TV show, if at all. Do you reckon they tried to and just went, you know what, screw it? Maybe the people who made the TV show didn't play the video game. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Maybe the new video game has Chili Dogs in it. What's the last Sonic game that came out? Have you played any Sonic in the last decade? I did play one a while ago, though it might have only just come out in the last decade, where Sonic can turn into a werewolf. Hmm. It was stupid. I only played it for a couple of levels. Like a were-hedgehog? Yes. Because he is a hedgehog, as much as he doesn't look anything like a hedgehog. He kind of looks Sonic-ish, but if Sonic was a werewolf. And so you play the game and sometimes you're normal Sonic, but then you go to levels at night and you turn into werewolf Sonic. Well, they tried to add a dimension that I don't feel needed to be added, but that's cool. That's all those games were. Yeah, it was not a critically acclaimed game. The most excited I got, and this is once again like two decades ago, they had a cartridge which you could put a cartridge on top of so that when Knuckles was introduced, you could play the old ones as Knuckles by putting the old cartridge on top of the new cartridge. And I thought that was just such great technology and I was astounded, I tell you, astounded (laughs) that humans could reach a feat such as this. I'm like, first we land on the moon and now there's like two cartridges to play a video game with a different character. How do they do it? (laughs) This is it. This is the pinnacle. There's no going higher than this. And that's when you decided to stop paying attention to technology and you've never progressed since then. (laughs) I think we pinpointed it. (laughs) Why would I need to look any further? Clearly this is as far as we're going to go. Yeah, Sonic was one of the characters that didn't make it into the 3D realm so well. It was kind of horrible in 3D, wasn't it? Because you did have like your standard platformers like Mario and Sonic and then when it transferred over to like they could make 3D games. You had Mario 64 and Sonic had his own little 
3D thing. And Mario did well in the 3D world. Sonic, not so much. The 3D stuff that I did play in <clears throat> Sonic, when you push left or right, you make a 90 degree turn. But you can't actually see 90 degrees from the screen. So you'd be looking and you go, shit, there's something ahead of me. I need to turn. Then you turn and you go, oh wait, that's not where I want to go. I, I didn't know that until I turned this way. Turn again. Oh my God, what's going on? So you just go around in a circle going, what the hell's going on? And you can't stop. <laughs> it's a constant movie thing and it creates a lot of anxiety for a 10 year old. I think the worst transitions that I saw going from 2D into 3D was you had worms. How does worms become 3D? Well, now it's a 3D battleground. Ah, and that for, wasn't good? No, for those who don't know what worms is, essentially your two sides of worms who shoot bazookas and throw grenades at each other and you take it in turns firing at each other. That's exactly it, yeah. And most of the time when you hit people in that, it's complete dumb luck because nobody's really that great at worms. <laughs> and if you are, that's more on you. That's more a problem. That's not something you can brag about at a party. Like, hey, you guys, you know, I'm pretty good at worms. Yeah, I can take the wind into account with my bazooka shots. You're wasting your life, clearly. I mean, at least do a game that will matter. But with the 3D one, because it's a 3D world now, your shots have to be direct and spot on to actually do much damage. So it makes the game insanely harder. <laughs> and for a game where you could just throw banana bombs around the level and eventually kill everyone. Suddenly it's not what you signed up for. Yeah, now no one can hit anyone. Like there are certain games that are really hard to play, but it's for a very specific player. People who want like the hardcore, no, you've got to be really into this to know what you're doing because I'm that obsessed with certain things. Another game that got insanely harder when it went from like 2D to 3D was Lemmings. How did Lemmings? Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> That's way too much to figure out. In fact, that'd be hard to even create as a game 3D. There's no point. Because Lemmings is a puzzle game where you've got this group of lemmings that you assign tasks to and you've got to help them get to an exit door essentially. And the 2D game is mind-blowingly hard. It gets very difficult. Putting that in a third dimension is insane. Because you've then got weird angles you can't account for. That doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, the game is way more stressful. Because no, now you have more options. Like you can have ones that instead of stopping them, angle them around corners. Oh God. And it just sounds like it wouldn't even be fun to look at. Like, because you know how like you're there trying to position a guy and then you hear other lemmings somewhere on the screen dying and you have to go find them again? When there's three dimensions, how do you even find them? <laughs> yeah, it's insane. Yeah, no thanks. I don't need that. Duke Nukem. When it went from 2D to 3D, it just turned itself into Doom. <laughs> But Duke Nukem 3D is such a better game than the original Duke Nukem. Okay, maybe I'm the only person in the world who thinks this. I think they destroyed the game. It was a fun game to play. Okay, it was at a certain level of technology, which is where computers were then. But when they made it 3D, it's not the same game anymore. It's just a Doom ripoff. Pretty much, yeah. They didn't make it the same game anymore at all because hmm. that was a 2D platformer and now it turned into a first-person shooter. And it's a completely different concept. Even the character looks different. Exactly. Nothing in the game is the same. It's all stupid. You don't collect the letters. There's no bunny rabbits with drums anymore. What the fuck? The 2D Duke Nukem was set in like a space age, like you were fighting robots and so forth. And now he's fighting like monsters or something? Yeah, in strip clubs. I almost would say that it's Duke Nukem tried to progress with its audience like okay if you're playing Duke Nukem the 2D version you're probably about 8 when time came for 3D they're like I think they've all hit puberty now what do they need they need strip clubs <laughs> with like pixelated boobs so kids can go oh my god look I'm in a strip club this is so cool I'm so cool right now oh I love Duke Nukem 
Look, I can offer her money. So? What? It's weird, though, back then they were just like, this is going to corrupt the kids because of this realistic graphics. <laughs> and then you go back and look at it and go, this is, like, really sad and unrealistic. That's not really naked at all. That's barely even a person. It's not a nipple. That's a pixel. Like, the amount of guys who made a big deal about Tomb Raider. Like, have you actually seen what that character looks like? It's a bunch of pixels. I remember hearing rumors of the nude cheat, though. Yes. there was a cheat that you can do that would make her run around naked but no one seemed to know how it was done it was kind of like this urban legend that went around school grounds I remember that because oh my god there's a chick as the character I wish I could see her boobs <clears throat> and also when she swam she swam breaststroke which meant her legs were constantly parting which as a kid you couldn't help but notice like <laughs> why can't she just doggy paddle like everyone else why isn't she just kicking why are her legs constantly spreading this seems like they sat down and had a meeting about how to make little 12 year old boys go oh my god it's Chick. Oh my god, dude, you gotta get her in the water. Trust me. Trust me, dude. Trust me. Well, it makes you want to protect the character more because she's hot. Hey, after we're done playing this, you want to go get a Target catalog and look at the underwear section? Although the nude cheat didn't exist in the first game, in the second game, there was a cheat that was called the nude cheat. And if you did it, then Lara Croft would just explode. Which is a good Christian lesson for all of us. You try and get girls nude, they'll just explode, Johnny. And stop just touching yourself. I think since people have done like patches and stuff and mods on the game where you can play as her naked because you know why not what a sad world that someone actually sat down and made that happen oh in the modding world people have made everything happen there's somewhere you can play grand theft auto as iron man just why like because it's fun what's the point in that there's no point in playing grand theft auto as iron man you just have to really like iron man and grand theft auto that's the only reason yeah it's mostly so you could just fly around the level doing iron man stuff Mm. play saints row that's uh number four you can do that and if you know the right cheats in Grand Theft Auto you can fly around anyways. That's true. You can get like jetpacks and so forth. Mm. Like there's a lot of uh, Fallout. Uh, that's another video game where mm. you run around shooting things. There's a lot of patches where people have made guns for it and you go oh that's cool but then you realise all they're doing is making up a thing to make the whole game easier. Oh it's a gun that never runs out of ammo and blows everything up the second it touches it. Then what's the point of playing the game? I, I could be as easily winning the game by not playing it. What the fuck? Oh, they can be fun about running around in a world full of cheats. I mean I played Grand Theft Auto a bit and sometimes I just blow off steam by activating all the cheats and just going around doing whatever the hell I want. And that's that always fun. fun. Was it Doom that had God mode? Yes. Yeah, where you're suddenly invincible? I remember there was a good one in, I first saw it in a game Quake, which yeah. was also like Doom, a first person shooter, where the cheat was no targets, which meant that the enemies didn't see you until you shot them. Oh. So you just walk past them and they'd just be standing there. And you can get them when you want to get them. They don't react to you. Then see, different- that's always good about activating all the guns and just slowly going through them and trying to like test what all of them do which is fun yeah if you want to get your stuff together or if you're at a party and you just got that on because Grand Theft Auto on at a party always meant that you go stab a hooker and then try and like fight the cops until you get put in hospital (laughs) that's essentially what the game is without the stories I mean that is a fun little mini game with it to do something aggressive and then just try and outrun the cops eventually as those stars build up you get the army on you that's pretty cool then you get a tank I think there's different levels of cheats that people use you got Mortal Kombat Blood Mode which was something you had to do to make the blood come up that was fun sim farm the cheat was i think you type in corn and it gives you 10 grand which is cool if you need money to like get a bigger farm but there was a payoff to it an ethical problem in that you do it enough then there will be a natural disaster so you can get free money but it's probably going to stuff you up at some point do it at the beginning so that all the earthquakes happen cyclones and stuff happen when there's nothing really to destroy or warcraft the original warcraft you type in i forget what the code was but it gives you all the top weapons so you're not invincible but you just instantly have better 
better weapons than everyone. I do remember there was a game, The Sims, where it was from that Sim City range, but it was yeah, the you're people. the people. I played that a little bit and had a house in there where I had just activated all the cheats and they pretty much owned every item that you could buy just so I could scroll through them and see what they actually did. Oh, so you knew what the stuff was, yeah. Yeah, so I had my real house where I was actually doing it with and my cheat house that just had unlimited money and I could just <laughs> do whatever the hell I wanted in. So you can <clears throat> that's your fantasies. I've also played some games where you get cheats, but you can't use the cheats on a level until you've completed it normally. Which makes sense. Theme park. Theme park. I loved theme yeah. park. Because someone taught me there's a cheat that you can instantly get all the rides and all the stuff, but it makes the bus permanently small. Your bus doesn't get bigger, which is the amount of people who come to your park. But then I played it with the cheat first, and then you go, all right, I want to play it without the cheat. And you're like, so wait, I can only make one ride? <laughs> this is the dumbest thing ever. Why does this exist? Why am I doing this? This is stupid. Why can't I just have all of them? Yeah, that game takes a little while to get good. Yeah. You have to progress a certain while. A On your one. first theme park, you don't get a lot of good rides. You get like one. And they even like, as they describe them, when you buy them, it just says it's a bad ride. It breaks all the time. People don't like it. And it's a long line. That's the only ride. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, that game was weirdly complex. You had to have like mechanics and handymans. And occasionally you'd have to go into salary negotiations. Yes, with the hands. And you got to make the hands meet before the cookies are eaten. <laughs> That's a weird way to put together a union strike. And you had- have them actually protesting out the front of your theme park. And you'd go along and you could see like, cause you'd have entertainers on the street and like you could check out what they do and they say how many people they've entertained and how many people they haven't and you could fire them based on that. Or give them a raise, give them a personal raise if they're doing good. Turned you into a real capitalist. That was tedious that you could choose how much you paid people, how much each store charged and also how much it spent on ingredients. And how much, yeah, like for places that sold drinks, you could say how much ice they put in. But that was what made the game so good. There's so many little increments that are probably irrelevant to most of it. Like, how much sugar do you want in your ice cream? Like, do you want it to be really sugary or not sugary at all? Like, how does that affect anything? I don't actually know what difference it makes. It'll make people happy or sad. But which way makes them more sad or more happy? And is if you put too much in, that'll be a problem, won't it? And if people will get sick from rides. and But that's the beauty of it. The graphics were crap because that's the level that video games were then. But there's all these little things you can play with and then you get to design your park. And that was the whole point. You put scary trees around the spooky mm. house. <laughs> <laughs> I think I first played Theme Park on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. Which that was very difficult playing a game like that with a console controller. I played it on Mega Drive. Oh, really? I eventually, after, because I only rented it from a video store and I love the game so much that I bought it on PC because I thought that it'd be easier to use with the mouse and stuff. And I was completely right. Yeah, that sounds like you'd be right. I borrowed it from a mate and played it for a while. I always played it on Mega Drive. I never played it on a computer. But I knew that a computer would have been easier. Yeah, I wouldn't mind tracking down that game, actually, seeing if it still holds up. I have a copy of like Roller Coaster Tycoon somewhere that is a PC game. Yeah, that seems very similar. I'm pretty sure it's the same damn thing, except you get to design your roller coasters. You could design roller coasters in theme parks. Could you? I'm pretty sure they gave you like track options. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You have to get pretty far through the game for that to happen. All right. Yeah. So that was everything we know. <laughs> Let's look at the page. All right. So the first thing it says here is the history. So it tells you the dates of the generations of consoles. Which started in 1972. 
72. What'd they have in 1972? They had Pong. The Max Nova Odyssey. Never played that. It looks horrible. Oh, Magnavox. Yeah. You played a Magnavox? Hell no. I've never heard of that crap before. Okay. So that lasted till the, say, 80s? Yeah, 81. Pretty much went till 81. This is 80. Till 1980. Well, no, but then it goes all the way to the end of 1980. Okay. Okay. Whatever. I'm looking at the graphs, not the titles. Anyways, 1972. But then you have like the second generation kicked in four years before the last one died. I guess- so there is a little bit of overlap with them. Well, there will be overlap. I mean, generations overlap. They were still producing it and selling it, but eventually they stopped making it and they focused on the second. We skip all the way forward to fifth generation. There's like four generations happening at the same time. And there's very little time when it's actually the last one left. It pretty much finishes the same time as fourth and third. And then when the sixth generation came in, they all just gave up on it. Yeah, for a little while. They had a big jump in technology between, well, we probably already knew this, between 84 and 2005. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So we're up to the eighth generation now, which has been going since 2012. Can we put this into consoles? The first one was the Magnavox. I'm guessing the second, which started in 76, was uh, Atari. Well, that's the thing. They actually break down the generations over the rest of the page. So Let's have a look at that then. Because that was the first generation here is the Magnavox Odyssey, which... That was the one where you had to put pictures over the TV so the dots made sense. Jump onto YouTube here and I'll see if I can... Locate a Magnavox. Oh, there's instructions of how to plug one in. That's good to know. So here's an ad for the old Magnavox. Because these ones I don't know, so this will give us some context. This is a very cheesy old ad. Well, it was the 70s. They were allowed to be like that. They had no um, precedent. So it has like little knobs that you turn to play Pong. So essentially it's just a Pong machine. But then there's other things you can do with it, I guess. Is there? Let's find out. Oh my God. You can use a screwdriver to plug it in. Oh, it's like old speakers. Like, you know, when you want to plug your speakers in, you got to um, screwdrive it. Now it's just one cable. I love how a lot of this is just technical details of how to hook it up. Oh, it uses D batteries. Oh, wow. This is like a whole complex thing. Well, it's a new idea. They've never heard of this before. You got to keep D- plugging things in. There's like four <laughs> different cables there. Maybe that's part of it. Back in those days, they're like, look how complicated it is. You got to plug a lot of stuff in. Are they the games there? I think so. They look like combs. You can okay, play tennis. So- it's Pong. No, that's that's tennis. It's Pong. Yeah. I, Maybe I, legally they got to call it tennis. See, it's not just Pong because you can move your player forward as well. Oh, there you go. See? You can actually put like a skin over your TV set so it looks like you're actually playing tennis. I don't know how it sticks there. I feel like that's going to fuck up the, the screen over time. I've never seen a video game with sticker graphics before. That's how it used to be. But I do love that they've got the parents playing. They really sold it as like a family activity. It's good for people of all ages. What do you want? to do with your kids it's a rainy day what do we do in the 70s with your children on a rainy day so the big chunky remotes with two knobs i think we've come very far since then i know now we have these like complete rubik's cubes where any twitch of the fingers will administer something you've got triggers and dongles and buttons and flickers they got alternate skins like you can play hockey mm, and do crosswords somehow <laughs> that's not a crossword but it's oh, no, kind of like pac-man i think oh it's like pac-man it looks like a crossword puzzle though and something at a haunted mansion and these are just stickers you put on your tv and simon says you know touch your hand okay i gotta touch my hand it's like all we can do is make a little floating square and you can put stickers on your tv and these are all the games you can play with that oh Oh, there's a a gun gun. how is there a gun so early that's awesome that probably looks like the best game but are you shooting at stickers again well the stickers are on the tv but you're trying to shoot the light but how did they do that i've always been amazed how early the gun shooty technology was in consoles because 
because I still don't fully know how they do that. Like, I can understand how you can do that with a remote control, but point it at the screen and shoot it and it knows where you hit on the screen. Still don't know how they <laughs> do that, but apparently it's really easy because they had that at like the very beginning with the first Nintendo. Yeah, it does go back there, Duck Hunter. Yeah, that was one of the first things they had. It was like very immediately what they had. Yeah, I just assumed it was way harder than it is. You think it would be, but it's not. <laughs> so that's the Magnavox Odyssey. Would you buy one? No. With the big knob like controllers. I feel the lights that it projects on your screen would actually damage the screen. With the stickers, were TVs all one size then? Even when you saw him put it on his screen, it didn't actually fit properly. Like his screen was too big for it. But yeah, they only had a very limited size. These days, I mean, you'd need like a billboard. Well, they also had Coleco. Coleco, yeah. You want to get a rust proofing on those because they'll just rust off like that. <laughs> what else did they have? Atari. Was that first generation? Yeah. They made arcade games back then. They didn't have a home console. Atari did make a video console for home. I think all of these people had arcade games and they decided to make a home version. If you go down to the second generation, the headliner here is the Atari 2600. The most popular game console of the second generation. So it breaks down all the ones that came out. Because yeah. you had the Fairchild Channel F, which that looks stupid. It looks like it's made to look like it's made of wood. A lot of them have wooden panels, but that was the 70s. It was the style at the time. Even it, on arcade consoles? Especially on arcade consoles. It kind of looks like a dictaphone though. Like you're supposed to put a tape in there and then talk. Yeah, I don't really understand how these controllers are meant to work. But look at the units sold in comparison. You got uh, the Fairchild, which sold 250,000, which is pretty good. You got the Atari 520, which sold a million. You got the Coleco, 2 million. But then you go to the Atari 2600, 30 million. That's more than all the others combined. Like, what the hell happened? They just made a good console, I guess. That's the truth, if you make a good one. Well, this comes with a joystick and a button, which to me feels like a that, better controller. We recognize that as a controller. Like, when you've got those knobs on the side, you sort of go, what the hell are they doing? Are we playing with a telescope? Though the Magnavox looks like it's gone to that same design as well. In but the that's a time. little tiny joystick, like for the thumb. It's not like a full hand one. That's true. The Atari does look like a better joystick. And it looks more like it's got a typewriter on it. Yeah, it looks like it's got a keyboard. It kind of looks like complex scales, like that they would use at a butcher or something. Yeah, like to get really accurate measurement of sausage weight. Yeah, it's just got a number pad and what looks like a wheel. Yeah, so you can wheel it around. Oh, and you take them out either side, okay. And that's the Intellivision. You're right, this has got a lot of wood paneling. For something that's supposed to be electronic, there's a lot of wood going on, (laughs) a lot of faux wood. Which I'd never think to put wood on my electronics. Isn't that something that makes it look more old rather than new. And so the second Atari they made, which was the Atari 5200, they've got like a number pad on that and a joystick. Is it a joystick or is it a turning knob? It looks like a joystick, isn't it? I don't know. But yeah, but they've got the number, like numbers. At some point, people figured out that consoles don't need numbers or letters. Like that's all irrelevant. Like the amount of times you're going to use it, like how often are you going to need to put in the number nine in a time that you have to put it in really quickly? Because that one only sold like one thirtieth of what their previous console sold. Oh, was that the first one or the second one? That's the second one because this oh, one yeah, came, came out in 82. In 82 the one they made in 1977 did way better. Well it didn't even come out in Japan or Europe. It was just sold in North America and it sucked. Both of these are two different models that they made but they're both in the second generation. Yeah, yeah. That's... So did they improve anything? Oh, it's like the Sega Saturn. You know like what? <laughs> what are you talking about Garth? Yeah exactly. That's what I'm talking about. Nintendo did bring out a bunch of different 
stuff like in the same time frame so did Sega sometimes they bring out a second machine and it never does well no obviously not why would you release something in the same generation why can't everyone just do what Xbox did you release a machine and then you spend the entire generation trying to fix that machine you originally made because it's really stupid and breaks all the time you never buy the first of any Xbox they're like we got this new Xbox alright I'll wait until you've fixed all the bugs and then you reduce the size and then you add a more memory space everybody knows that you don't buy a new Xbox it's gonna overheat it's gonna short circuit you're gonna get some weird red ring of death see these days when they sell the consoles it's mostly well built but the software's not really that great and they figure you can just download updates as you go yeah which is weird because these days yeah you can get incomplete games and everything like buy a game before it's even finished being made I've always been the believer that you always buy the game of the year edition which takes a year to come out they release the game all those idiots play it and then they report back going hey there's a glitch here and they fix those glitches then they add all the add-on games then a year later after it's gotten all its awards they release the game of the year edition where you get it all no bugs all the extra add-ons and you can just play it and it's cheap because it's old oh yeah if you buy like games five or ten years after they've been made (laughs) well that's what I do anyway so I'm still on the 360 so like you know I've got an Xbox 360 but that's what I'm up to I think that is probably my highest ranked console that's right you normally do computer games don't you oh no I like console games but I like old console games I've been playing a lot of Nintendo 64 recently okay that's something you can do yeah I've been getting into GoldenEye that was a classic oh it's such an awesome game oh the heads it's hilarious the heads were like soup cans and it's way ahead of its time but way behind our time yes so you go wow look at these guns like you know for the time when you have to constantly remind yourself for that time it's revolutionary you gotta understand for that time Uh, if you're familiar with the game I'm up to jungle right now oh yeah yeah so I'm almost there yeah that's pretty good are you 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 past that bridge oh with what's her face is it Zena or something I don't know the name I just remember X-E-N-A. I, I don't know how to pronounce it though. I just remember, I think of somewhere towards the end where you're on like a bridge, like a really big bridge. Yeah, she's really annoying and she's got like a machine gun and a grenade launcher. Yeah, yeah, that was. And you gotta fight her on a bridge. Yeah. You pass that or is he coming up to that? Well, that's on that level, so ah, okay, cool. every time I die, I gotta do that bit again and again and again. That's probably why it's stuck in my head as uh, the standout because you go, oh yeah, I remember that. It's annoying because it's a long level, so it takes me like 10 minutes to get through all of it. So then you play for 10 minutes and then you die and then you're like ah oh, crap i gotta start again and go through all that tedious bit at the beginning <laughs> And before that, I played Pokemon Snap. Wow. Have you ever played that game? No, I don't even know really what it is. It's a Pokemon game, obviously, but you take pictures of the Pokemon, like photos. This isn't like that Pokemon Go or whatever where you got to go outside. This is all on your TV. Yeah, this is on the Nintendo 64. So your job is to go around, find Pokemon and take their photo. You're on this little track, like, because you're in a little cart that's going a fixed speed through the level on a fixed track. So it's kind of like a shoot game where you got to, like, get them in time. Yeah, pretty much, but instead of shooting a gun you're taking photos because that way it's the same concept of the other games but they don't have to rate it higher than G exactly and how good you get your shot and what the Pokemon's doing at the time give you more points okay although it seems like a cheesy game it's an interesting element to a rail shooter because it matters when you get your shot and how you get your shot and it's designed so you play the same levels multiple times so you can get the perfect shot on each one and I do understand that sort of you know that 
that if you get it at the perfect time and you know you've got to wait for this guy but then you got to get over and ready for the next guy and then yeah mm. that is a good little thing I like it when you get so caught up in a stupid game where you're like no 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 I gotta wait till the Pokemon spinning water out then I get like mm. extra points because at the end of the level you can only pick one photo you took of each Pokemon ah. so you go through your collection of all the photos you took of it and pick the best one do they tell you how much points each one's worth before you pick them no it's <gasps> after you pick them you find out how much points they're worth so you gotta look at the photo and see if it's a good photo or not Ooh. so taking a bunch of photos isn't really the best strategy the best strategy is to pick perfect time get it and then move on yes okay time management I guess is what it's teaching us also because you can throw stuff at the Pokemon like apples and these weird exploding balls well that's a different element what happens when you throw an exploding ball at a Pokemon well then they do something like some are hiding in the bushes and if you throw like an exploding ball in there they'll like fly out and you can take their photo then well this took a terrible turn from where I didn't think it was going to go look they figured out how to do like a shooty game <laughs> which is like really complex and that way no one gets hurt alright let's throw these exploding balls at them <laughs> no Pikachu <laughs> well they're not called exploding balls they're called pester balls so you're only pestering them which sounds more harmless it does sound more harmless but, yeah, but you, so you can use the carrot or the stick is what you're saying get yeah. an apple to bring them out or a pester ball <laughs> to force them out and you can use apples to like lure them to stuff so they activate things like a Pikachu can help a Zapdos egg hatch. Oh, that's pretty cool. And that'll get you a good photo. Yeah, so there's like all these different mechanics and stuff like that. It's a fun little puzzle game. It sounds like a fun game. Anyway, I got sidetracked on Pokemon Snap. What were we talking about? <laughs> you really did. You pulled me into that. I haven't been a big fan of Pokemon stuff. Not that I'm against it. I just haven't really got into it. Generally for a game to hold my attention, I have to be killing things and like lots of things. A game that I stood on for a long time in PlayStation 2 was a Gladiator game because it wasn't about winning the fights it was about getting the most amount of points and you get points by doing the most dramatic kills so you have to learn how to like line up to make their heads explode or like get the right weapon to like cut them in half do really mangled messed up stuff and that's what I liked yeah that was good yeah I've seen in a few fighting games where at the start of a round they'll add an extra challenge in there where it's like only use medium attacks yeah like you've got to try and get this many punches in yeah and so you get an extra thousand points so if you want to ignore it you don't have to do it but if you do want to do it it's given you this fun little challenge that you can do those side challenges in video games have ruined me forever especially when it says optional next to it do it don't do it we don't care oh i care there's a game called you look through keyholes and you've got like a mask i don't know this game it's set in a time when whale oil is the electricity is this a famous game or yes they just brought out a second one skyrim no no it's bio something no it's not one of those um, oh shock we don't need to know the name of it i'm just gonna find the name of it dishonored i think that's what's called yeah this is it do you know this game dishonored yeah no it kind of looks like scorpion from it does eh? mortal Kombat. okay it looks like scorpion from mortal Kombat, but it's a complete misdirection that's not what it's about at all okay so dishonored has this thing where you're basically kind of like a ninja in uh victorian times and you got to go through levels and you got to do stuff and get stuff blah 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 you can kill people you cannot kill people but there's an option where like when you complete the level if no one sees you in the level it gives a tick for ghost mode there is no reason that you need to get this tick it does not affect the game at all did i complete every single level with the ghost mode tick hell yeah i did <laughs> did it completely ruin my experience of the game quite possibly <laughs> was it without a doubt something that completely changed how the game is played so i wasn't even playing the way it was intended because I wanted 
want to get this tick on ghost mode? Absolutely. I remember there was a game that we had on Xbox at one stage called Amped, and it was a snowboarding game. Kind of like a Tony Hawk style thing where you got points for tricks. Okay, like cool borders and stuff. But there was a little hidden challenge on there that on all the courses hidden off somewhere were little snowmen. And you had to find all the snowmen in all the level. And I remember my brother got to the point where he'd already completed the game and now he was going through looking for the snowmen. And I remember thinking he was completely out of his mind. Yeah, but you've got to. Okay, the greatest example of this 100% completion concept, Grand Theft Auto. It was the game that if you can do 100%, you have got some serious problems. It's practically impossible. You've got to tag all the walls. You've got to punch all these people. You've got to win this thing. You've got to go in these races. You've Find got to- obscure items somewhere. Yeah, you've got to take a photo of something that doesn't exist. You've got to catch a scream in a jar. I don't know. It is impossible to get 100%. I remember talking to a mate who was one of those real computer video games game intense guys and I'm like are you completed Grand Theft Auto he's like no way I could never complete it man that's like impossible I meant I meant like you know you got to the end of it oh yeah I did that (laughs) like that's nothing there's so much crap you gotta do it's impossible see I have games that I get really far on and then just completely give up on I remember for ages I was playing a matrix game called the path of Neo and it's cool you just run around as Neo and you can like beat people up and stuff like that sounds sweet and then you get to the final boss Boss, which is Agent Smith, obviously. And that became very tedious, that boss level. So I was like, meh, I give up. And that was the last level. If I had just got to the end of that, would have completed that game. Doesn't it haunt you though? No, I'm fine with it. You're fine with it? This is the sort of thing that I've got all these games stacked up that are almost done. I have like anxiety over not completing these games. It's a fucking game. You're meant to play them for fun. But because of like some stupid thing, Grand Theft Auto Liberty City. And this is been the same for like maybe five six years i am on the last mission oh really i have the last mission to do and i recently tried to complete it again and because of the way grand theft auto is set up that like if you don't complete it the first time then you restart at the beginning of it but your health's gone your guns are gone and it's really hard to so you can maybe do it three times before you have to go all the way back and then drive across town and then it gets very tedious so i tried to complete it i think i spent about three days not not all day but like three days uh, three attempts in total and then just went, you know what? Screw it. It's just not going to be completed. Fuck it. <laughs> I'm done with this one now. Yeah, I'm done. It's going back in the box. Now I'm playing some stupid game called Crackdown. Have you ever noticed with Xbox games, if something's made by Microsoft, it kind of sucks? What is that? Why can't Microsoft make a console game? I don't know. I mean, they made the Halo series pretty successfully. Yeah, Halo kind of... I never got into Halo, except for the, the ones uh, Command and Conquer ripoff. Mm. With games that, like, not completing, I'm even, like, on that jungle level on Bond. Yep. I kind of got a little bored with that and started playing Perfect Dark instead. So there you go. You kind of get over it and you realise it's not fun. I spend so much time not enjoying a video game because I need to complete it. Yeah, I like those simple games where you can sit down and play them in one sitting essentially. Yes. Where they only have like eight or so levels and you can easily get through them. I'm done now. Because then it has like this little completion feeling. It's like watching an old movie you like. My favourite game for that is Lilat Wars or Star Fox. Oh, that was great. Yeah. Because there are like eight or so levels on that. You can get through the game in less than an hour. It's great. It's fun and it's a good plain shooting game. You didn't have a Nintendo 64, did you? No. Oh, oh, yes, I did. Well, my little brother did. Oh, so you sort of did. Yes, I had access to a 64, yes. So how did that work, though? If he had like a 64 and you didn't, like, you pretty much could play it as much as him anyway. Yes, I could. But I think he got it, like, I was a bit older for it. I was more into, I think at 
time, I must have had a PlayStation, if I was to guess. Yeah, I had a PlayStation at one stage too. Yeah, I think I had every console between certain generations and then I sort of slowed down. We went, yeah, Mega Drive to PlayStation at the 64 and <clears throat> then it was PlayStation 2 and then there was nothing until Xbox 360. I think that's my entire history of consoles. So what have I done? I did start with a Sega Master System, then did Super Nintendo, Nintendo 64, PlayStation, Xbox. Then I didn't have anything for ages until we got the Wii. Yep, so that was the first Xbox. Yes, that was the first Xbox. And I also got an Xbox 360 when my friend got a PlayStation 4. That's nice. He was done with the Xbox 360 and he's like, this is where consoles come to die, isn't it? <laughs> Hell yes, that is. Because oh, I still I need own- to start advertising like that because I got a bunch of video games off someone because they're like, I'm trying to get rid of these 360 games and people are like, just take them in for like, you know, you get like a buck for them or something from cashies or like uh, trade them. He's like, no, nah, if someone wants them, I'm like, I'll take them. I'll take <laughs> all of them. You can't really sell them for any money anymore. They'll give you like 10 cents for an Xbox 360 game. Yeah. and Because it's like five consoles ago. And if you go to like EB Games or something, they will give you a trade value, but it's very little compared to like the new ones. Because I still have a few consoles active today. Like I've still got the Nintendo 64, Xbox 360, the Wii and a Super Nintendo. So nothing a- modern, but I've got <laughs> a lot of consoles. A lot working. And that's nice that they're working. The 64, I had to trade out because it got broken, but I traded out for another 64 and another Xbox 360, sorry. You throw a lot of numbers around, they get confusing. Yeah. But I do have a PlayStation 2. At one point, I had four PlayStation 2s, but only like one and a half of them worked. How did half of one work? Because it kind of worked. And it now, works some with some games, but not others. Well, sometimes it works and other mm. times you just turn it off because it's making bad noises. <laughs> and now I've got this one PlayStation 2 that makes some serious grinding when you turn it on it's like yeah I'm doing it I'm trying there's stuff in there and when it wants to load anything it takes a long time it's like an old man it's like I'm getting to it it loaded up for you you want to play the Scarface we'll have a great time um that's that's what my PlayStation 2 sounds like what would you say is your favorite console that's come out because I am quite partial to the Nintendo 64 though that may change in a couple of months because about two years ago I was really psyched about Super Nintendo but then I played all the stuff on that and got over it it's true you go through stages the most excited I think I've ever been was obviously the first oh I forgot the Commodore 64 you had a Commodore 64 I had a Commodore 64 with the f- discs that were actually floppy and the cassettes that allowed you to play Space Invaders that was a long time ago I think the Mega Drive was probably the most excited but then when I got a PlayStation 1 that was pretty cool When I got, that was the first thing I got a chip put in and you got cheap games PlayStation 2 I think was the longest running console I've had it had games for like years like it held down the console part of my life for a really long time. I think it still is the best selling video game console of all time. Really? I remember hearing that at the PlayStation 2. That makes sense. That nothing ever beat that because it just dominated. It came in early as something that could play DVDs when Mm. DVD players were more expensive than PlayStation 2s which that's a genius idea and it played better than a lot of the good DVD players but it was so long between consoles because I stuck to the PS2 for so long. When I got an Xbox 360 the games had evolved like we're talking about first generation, second generation, all down here. I think PS2 would have been, what, third generation or fourth? I think so. We'll get down to it. We'll get down to that. I want to find out where they are because I feel like I skipped two or three generations and what they could suddenly do with video games on Xbox 360 blew 
my mind. And they were already like three years old when I got to them. Well, I'm even looking at some of the stuff now. Like I was playing Call of Duty, I think. And I was amazed at how good it looked for that time. I wasn't blowing back like, oh, this is amazing because I've seen things that are way better than that since then. It's like saying like, oh, she's beautiful for her age. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you're talking about here. These games have held themselves together considering how old they are. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Like I also remember Wave Racer 64 when that came out. I remember that, the the jet ski game. Yeah, and I was just like looking at the water going like, this is amazing. This is the pinnacle Ah! of graphics. (laughs) The pinnacle. Ah! And now just everything looks way more realistic. They're basically getting to the point where it almost looks like a movie that you're playing. Like remember when you'd see like the movie parts of video games where like you're just watching it, you can't do anything. Now that's what the video games look like. When you think of all the realistic looking video games that we've got now, that it all started with squares on your screen and stickers you could put on your TV. I know, how far we've come. That's what it was programmed to do. The fact that you needed one of those little combs to program it to be like, oh, we've got three squares. Enjoy. The 360, when I got into that, suddenly it wasn't just like one game, like games with multiple games put together with great graphics. And it wasn't just like, oh, it's a great picture from this angle. You could just rotate at any angle. The whole thing was like 3D'd and there was a game within the game. And then on top of that, you got another, like it blew my mind in a time when I really needed a console. (laughs) So I guess this is my long way of saying, I think the 360 meant the most to me, even though the Sega Mega Drive was the first and captured my childhood with Street Fighter and such. In 10 years time, when you eventually get like an Xbox One, you're going to be like, (laughs) oh my God, the graphics on this are amazing. I can't believe I was so blown back by the Xbox 360. It's garbage (laughs) in comparison. Have you guys seen this Call of Duty Black Ops? It's amazing. (laughs) I thought I was watching a movie. I do get invested in the storylines in those. Like I remember in Call of Duty, I really did want to save the world by the end. I wanted to take, I can't even remember the bad guy's name, but at that point I remembered it and I was just like, I need to kill that dude. I need to kill that dude. I'm going to, I am going to get him for everyone. And I did. And I saved the world. Thank you, Ben. Well, actually I didn't the first four times, but I could retry the level. And Thankfully. Fifth time's a charm. That's right. So I can save the world so long as I have as many retries as I need. In yeah. that case, yes, I can totally do it. Like that Tom Cruise movie. Hey, and Ben, thank you for your service. You're welcome. <laughs> but no, some games do get to you. Like I've played Walking Dead. Oh, the Telltale one. You go through and you got to make choices really quickly about what you say to people. But I cried at the end of it because, spoiler alerts, anyone who's going to play this game, just like don't listen for the next 10 seconds. The guy you play gets bitten and you have to teach this little girl to shoot a zombie in the face. And then she walks out in the world by herself. And it is the saddest fucking thing because you've gone through this entire... <laughs> video game as this guy protecting this little girl and like you made these decisions and things don't necessarily work out or you do your best and then at the end you're like oh my god I'm dying and she's gonna go and then she walks out by herself and I cried so hard at a stupid fucking video game. Well, if you had made better choices through the video- No! Sorry, no, I don't think you could have changed it and then made the ending different. Well, no, with this game in particular, that's something you couldn't change. I trust uh. me, I looked into this. <laughs> you were just to- like, what could I have done? <laughs> I couldn't sleep until I knew that this little girl, that was just her fate and there was nothing I could do. No matter what I did or said, this was going to happen. I was going to die and she was going to have to walk off. Because I oh. remember when the guy got bitten, I turned the game on 
off because it does auto save. Yeah. But I know if I turn it off real quick, I can do it again. I tried it again and again and again. There's no way to not get bitten. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm very sure of this. And I did look it up and I'm, no. You would have started the whole game from scratch if you had to. Because yeah. damn, there was a thing in the first level that I would have had to have done. That's right. Look, if Ben can save the rest of the world from this evil guy, surely I can save this little girl from the zombie apocalypse. It's the least I could do. See, I thought those games would have alternate endings depending on what you did. It's one of those things where the game changes according to how you play it, but there is ultimately a storyline. And you can tell, like, you know, if you've played games long enough, you can tell what's changeable. Like, mm-hmm. when a character rocks up, you can be like, all right, this guy may come or go. He's inconsequential. But obviously, this is what happens. You're going to get bit, and this little girl is going to have to, you know, do whatever. It was the saddest tear-jerking scene, too. Like, they really knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They really, like, stretched it out and really pounded it into you. And just, you're there, like, pleading with this girl, like, no, I'm going to die. You've got to save yourself. No, come on. She's going to be okay. We can do it. And I didn't realize that video games could do that when I started playing Sonic. I think you just imagine, like, Ali waking up going, like, are you okay, Garth? You just keep saying Clementine in your sleep. <laughs> it's so true. No, Clementine, no. Clementine, no. come back. Shoot the face. Shoot the face. <laughs> they also talk about handheld consoles. Oh, like the Game Boy. Yes, but not quite Game Boy yet because we're still in second generation. Was that So the f- handhelds started in second generation. Back then they had the Nintendo Game & Watch. What the hell is a Nintendo Game & Watch? Do you remember those little games that you would get where they'd have like a few little buttons and one oh, inbuilt game? It was like one game, but it was like yeah. a little thing and you go like, if it's tennis and you got to hit all the balls coming at you and you go left or right, that's all you yeah. can do. And there were like four or five little different pictures along there and as you scrolled it, scrolled through the different set pictures. Like a digital watch has the different functions. Like when you push the yeah. button imprinted, they can either be on or off. Yeah, yeah, another one. Yeah, it was kind of like those. Those were the style of handheld games back in the second generation. They were fun. I remember having a lot of them as a kid, but these days you don't really see them so much because, you know, iPhones and so forth. Yeah, they used to be everywhere. <clears throat> I think they were pretty cheap. I remember getting a Cocoa Pops one because I sent in like some barcodes. So it was a monkey collecting stuff, I'm guessing. Yeah, I can't even remember what the game was. I assume most of them were things were dropping and you had to catch them. That's pretty much, yeah, the s- summation of all of it. Stuff comes at you and you have to be in a certain place at a certain time to get it. And that was all the games. That was all games. Like, tennis is the one that always comes to mind, but there's also a race car. Yes, where you just went from the three different slots. You're either in the left lane, middle lane, or right lane. And you got to make sure you don't hit other cars. That's the whole job. And that was a racing game. Yes, that was what constituted as a racing game. And that was the whole second generation of video games. That was second generation, which ended, like, about the time we were born. So naturally, by the time we were old enough to play these things, they were pretty cheap and available to us. They were old hat. And then you had in 1983, we moved into the third generation and something a bit more recognizable comes out. Oh, yes. Nintendo, the very first one. The Nintendo. There's a great Gabriel Iglesias joke where he's telling his kid, he's like, you know, I had Nintendo. Nintendo Wii? No, not Nintendo Wii. Nintendo 64? No, not Nintendo. Super? Just Nintendo! It's just (laughs) Nintendo! (laughs) (laughs) It was called Nintendo, all right? (laughs) They didn't need to call it anything else. But no, this game, because it came out in 1983. And I still knew people who were playing it 10 years after that. Oh, hell yeah. That was the console. In fact, it probably didn't get to us until about four years after that because it wouldn't have made it to Australia straight away. That was when it was released in America. But these days, in a 10-year gap, nine different consoles have come out. Exactly. And it's getting faster as they keep adding stuff. And I remember getting sick around the PlayStation 2 
era, that's when I picked one and just stuck to it because there mm. was just a new one constantly coming out. Now there's Xbox as well, and then there's all the you know, Wii or whatever. Which do you think that Wii kids are a bit different to the other ones? Well, Wii was one of those general purpose consoles that everybody got into. Old people, young people, people who didn't get into games. Yeah, it was a non-gamer game console, I feel. Yeah. Like it's kind of like gamer light. Well, I fear the reason why it was so successful is because the controls are very intuitive. Mm. Like if you play a tennis game on the PlayStation, it's like, well, you press X to do this, square to do that. But with a Wii one, they just hand you the remote and go swing it like a tennis racket. And, you and can that's do that. all you can do. It's that's gross motor, not fine motor. I think because we started off with joysticks, maybe two buttons, one button, but now it put your hands on it and everything is a button mm. of some kind. And you do sort of get a innate sense of how to work a console because we've been doing this for so long. I'll put that on my resume. I can pick up any controller and I can play a fighting game out of just an innate sense ability to know how to fight in a video game. Like I end up learning how to do a couple of special moves very quickly because I know a couple of the typical yeah. move sets that you can do like this down across punch, there's forward back back Back, back, leave a gap, kick. I can play any first-person shooter because you know which ones are the shooty, which one's the aim, which one's the move. You just know. And when Street Fighter 2, I can do every special move with every character because then they have like two each. Yeah, exactly. And it just comes out. It's just normal. It's just I, muscle memory at this point. I remember when, I believe it was the PlayStation because the PlayStation was the first one to have triggers and Grand Theft Auto, the old Grand Theft Auto when I was looking down, the break was one of the triggers. Totally messed with with me because I was used to button to go fast button to go slow and then they put the button to go slow over on a trigger instead of in the buttons and I'm like it took me so long to figure it out and there are a few games like Metal Gear Solid which instead of using the X button which is the normal button everyone uses they'd use the square button and it just throws you like why because everyone wears out the X button you're trying to spread them around but the Nintendo's controller was very simplistic because you just had a D-pad a start and select button and an A and B button though I think they were one and two not A, not a, a and B and it's always weird because A's on the outside side B's on the inside? Because this is also when the Sega Master System came out and they had a very similar controller. It was very similar, yeah. Except I don't think they had the start and select button. I remember there was a pause button actually on the console. So you had to actually walk up to the console and press pause. 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 Which is just weird. Why would you do that? And it wouldn't go to a menu or anything. It would just pause. Like it was just frozen. Was this 32-bit or was this 16-bit? I think it's 16-bit. I think this might be the 8-bit. Oh, wow. Because I know that the Mega Drive was 32. And then they followed that up with the 64, which was double that. I don't know. Does it say on here? Because I'm pretty sure it was like 8-bit graphics because everything on it looks pixelated. Like you can actually see the shapes of the little squares. Because if you've seen like an original old Mario, it's very blocky. It's like uh, modern art. You can tell what it's meant to be from like just the feeling you get when you look at it. But it doesn't look like that at all. And Luigi looked completely identical to him, except he was wearing green. And that was the only difference between them. To make him taller meant that he'd have to be a whole pixel taller which would have thrown the game out completely. So did you play much on the Nintendo? I had friends who had Nintendo, so I played the Mario. Because I just remember Mario and Zelda. I don't really remember many other games apart from that on the Nintendo. I played a little Duck Hunter, but not too much. I was amazed with that one, yeah, 
that you could point the gun at the screen and shoot the ducks and how accurate it was. Isn't that crazy? Apparently it started on the very first one. I would have gone with that as <laughs> the game. Why don't you make all games shooty games of some kind instead of having the little tumbler twizzler things? Why would you do that? Oh, who cares about playing tennis? Let's shoot stuff. That was a thing I was surprised about on the Wii because the remotes with them are just perfectly designed like guns that you can point and shoot. And they had surprisingly little games where you just point at the screen and shoot. And it's actually funny because there's two kinds of Wii controller <coughs> converters into, if you want to play shooty games, you put the controller into this gun. Yeah, I've actually got one of the guns down there. Yeah, and one of them though, because it's shaped like a pistol, it means that the controller's all out in front of you, so it's actually top heavy. So you constantly feel it dragging you down. It's not well balanced. Actually, it is unrealistic because guns have the magazine in your hand, which counterbalances it. So as kids would play this game, they're holding up this weight that was constantly weighing them down. I had the same thing happen playing a James Bond game on the Nintendo Wii because you aim the gun at the screen and wherever you're aiming the gun is where he looks and you have a little joystick at the back to make him walk around. So as your arm starts to feel a little weighed down, (laughs) Bond keeps looking down at the floor and you have trouble like shooting things because your arm's tired because you've got to literally keep the gun in front of you the whole time. time. So I just became exhausted trying to play that game. And I think that was the Wii's failure is because it was an exhausting console to play. Yes. And I like to play video games to relax. And whereas they're like, oh, it's fun and you know, you'll be healthy. You'll get up and exercise. That's not what people buy video games for. I want to move nothing but my thumbs for the next three hours. Can you do that for me? <laughs> the Wii Sports is one of the highest selling games of all time, if not the highest selling. But that's like saying, you know, the highest selling comedy album is some lame ass that no one would ever laugh at. The greatest... It's te- probably Bill Cosby. Probably. <laughs> oh, how far we've come. But, you know, it's like saying that Big Brother is the greatest TV show ever because if you look at the ratings. Or, like, Married at First Sight is clearly the most well-written drama ever created because of look at the ratings. The point is, we is designed for people who aren't into it. It, yeah. it sold well because they opened up the world of video games to people who would never buy video games. There was an untapped market that they tapped and those people bought it, played it for 10 minutes and then gave up on it and thought this was crap. If you want to appeal to a mass audience, you've got to do something simplistic. Yes. You can't do anything too complex or you'll alienate a whole bunch of people. So that means that anything that appeals to everyone generally can't be that good. Wii Sports was like that, but the interesting thing about that game is when we first got it, it was amazing. We were all getting up and bowling and playing golf and stuff like that. And then there's the day where people figure out that you don't actually have to get up. You just have to flick your wrist in this right motion and you can play golf from your couch. And that's what it becomes eventually. If you just have this controller that you're sitting in your couch, swinging your arm to hit this golf club. Trying to get the inertia in the controller. And then it becomes really like, well, what's even the point? You kind of played yourself out of it. Like before, (laughs) it's like, it's fun. Like, look, I'm a golfer. Look at me do my swing. I actually play golf. So I know what this is like to like a couple of people sitting on a couch, flicking their wrist. You may as well just use the controller and push a button. In fact, that would be better. Though that said, out of all of the tennis and golf games I've played, I probably enjoyed that one the most because of the controllers, because it makes sense for those games. If I'm playing like a runaround shoot 'em up, I just want to use a normal controller. Playing tennis where we're swinging these little things, that kind of makes sense to me. That's probably a bit more fun than using a controller. It wouldn't make a lot of sense to play 
tennis game with a normal controller pushing mm. buttons at the right time that'd be kind of frustrating and every golf game I've played before the Wii it was you push these buttons and then the guy will swing when you're done doing all the pushy button stuff so you're not doing it live you do a bunch of button pushing and then you see how you went because it usually has this bar that goes like up and down and up and down and you've got to tap it at the right time mm. to get the right swing but this one you can sort of measure out the swing that you want to do and move your arm appropriately that's cool and so that was a good idea for those games but other than those games I don't think the Wii really works that well I had a friend or my housemate she had a maraca game which <laughs> it came with these little maracas that you put on the console and all it is is like the games like put one straight up put one to the left now put both to the right now put them both down you're coordinating your maraca shaking with the video <laughs> game I think it's like a fitness thing I don't know they did try and milk the whole fitness thing with the Wii they really did hey you can get up and do <coughs> stuff I don't want to get up and do stuff that's why I have a video game so they're saying that nearly 62 million were sold of the Nintendo that is crazy or the Famicom as it was called in Japan that's crazy and this is the Master System when that came out that was the one I had that had Alex the Kid in there it really is the Hungry Jacks isn't it Sega really is just Hungry Jacks to McDonald's it does just look like a cheap version of a Nintendo it does which is what it is you know fair play to them I mean Sonic is just a cheap Mario who cares though I do remember one of my favorite games that I had on the Sega Master System was Asterix and Obelix and you would just walk across the screen and there'd be Romans sometimes that you could punch that's all it was yeah that's awesome and you just had a basic platformer with Romans thrown in there that you could punch and beat up that's awesome I'd love to play that it was actually a really fun game I would still play it today because now you're punching people Mm -hmm. as a person as opposed to an Italian squashing like turtles there's a slight difference there like if a mushroom has feet it's okay to step on it but if you're punching a human like that Roman soldier has a family (laughs) yeah he has a mother does that mean that this kid's now gonna go to school and punch any kid who's like Italian meanwhile the irony I'm just getting this now Mario is Italian do you think this was the Sega people they're like well we need an Italian enemy to beat up we need (laughs) the kids to hate Mario how are we gonna do this well I think that's why they had the bad guy of Sonic was some fat guy with a mustache yes Uh, that makes perfect sense now doesn't it yeah so he was their villain just a fat gross Mario because after Mario saved the princess he kind of let it go to his head he got a bit fat he grew his mustache a bit big (laughs) and now he like captures little animals (laughs) and puts them in machines that makes perfect sense but I wonder how many people when like things like the Nintendo and the Sega Master System came out went like oh my god would you look at these graphics they don't even need stickers on the screen to achieve this (laughs) absolutely that's exactly (laughs) what people would have done I do remember every single level of video game I got being impressed by the graphics like with the Mega Drive you went like oh my god this is so cool look how cool this is it's not like a dot then the PlayStation came out I'm like oh my god look at this it's not like some stupid blockhead thing and then the PlayStation 2 came out I went oh my god it's a really shitty cartoon movie that's amazing what are we up to now this is fourth generation and this is where your Sega Mega Drive came out the 16 bit system oh it was 16 bit so 32 was the Super Nintendo and stuff would they all be 16 bit they they all would be because they just because of the fourth generation so the next generation that will be the 32 then they have the Sega CD or the Mega CD the Neo Geo CD what is that came out in 1994 it was the weakest selling out of all of the consoles they only sold 570,000 that's half a mil like that means there's like half a million people out there with their I'm guessing cheap parent kids we got your Neo Geo hey where's the Mega Drive where's Nintendo Super what what, what are you doing here it's got all kinds 
tons of crazy games like Mario <laughs> or Bonic the Sonhead. I mean, we give it shit, but if this podcast was getting Neo Geo numbers, I would be psyched. Oh yeah, they're clearly better than us. Uh, and the the next weakest selling system after that was just the Neo Geo non CD. <laughs> so adding a CD didn't even help them. Yeah, no, the CD did not help any of them. I don't know what the CD is. But yeah, I guess it's CDs came out and they got excited. Super Nintendo did sell the best, but it was very close. The Mega Drive, also known as Sega Genesis, I forgot to mention that at the beginning. Genesis was really close. Yeah, Genesis had 40 million, but the Super Nintendo had 49 million. Which, that they're closer, but uh, still ahead. See, I was one of those 49 million that got the Super Nintendo. So it's your fault! <laughs> but what's this 10 million, the PC Engine <clears throat> Turbo Graphs 16? Have you ever heard of that? One? No, and it has such a catchy name. <laughs> the PC Engine slash Turbo Graphics 16, so, known in Japan and France as the PC Engine. So was it kind of just like a computer slash console? Oh, I think they all were called computers. They were computers of their day. They counted as computers comparatively. I mean, it was the first one in this generation. So it's kind of like there was a stage, like a year there, where they're like, we own this generation. <laughs> We've got this. And it's like, oh, these Sega people are making a Mega Drive. Eh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. We're good. We can keep going. Look, we've already sold 10 million of these. So how many more people could possibly want consoles? Pretty sure we've got all of them. And once someone gets a console, why would they get another one? The Mega Drive comes in with its 40 million. And then they're like, all right, now all of the systems have been sold. Like no one else is definitely going to buy one. There's definitely not another 50 million people out there who want consoles. (laughs) Meanwhile, Neo Geo then sees like, wait, Mega Drive sold 40 million. Well, clearly it's our time to shine. I mean, we're not going to get any competition. Now it's the Neo Geo time. Everyone's going to forget these old names. Super what? Super Nintendo, but they already made one. They're not allowed to make another one. That's not fair. Because yeah, Neo Geo is trying to get into the market here. And in the exact same year as them is when the Super Nintendo comes out. So they would have to have released their console at the exact same time as the Super Nintendo. That's not even fair. That's kind of mean. I feel like Nintendo did that on purpose. Like I feel like Nintendo wasn't even going to release a Super Nintendo. And then someone heard Neo Geo. We don't like them. Some slight that was made somewhere in the past. A guy, oh, you're going to release Neo Geo. Well, as the president of Nintendo, I'm going to make it my business to run you out of town. (laughs) It is amazing when you look back at how many consoles there were in this generation. Because if you had asked me about this generation, I would have just gone Super Nintendo and Mega Drive. That's it. They're the only two I really knew. But yeah, there were all these others. There was the Sega CD and Neo Geo. They tried a lot in that generation and it didn't pan out for them. Can we look at what the Sega CD is? Because that confuses me. It's just like a thing that goes underneath it, I guess. Yeah, it's a little plug-in. So you plug your Sega into it and you can put CDs in it now and play CD games. Oh, so this was the beginning of the when they became discs instead of cartridges. Oh, this makes perfect sense to me now. So this is the generations where they figured out that CDs were a thing and that they could hold a lot more than a cartridge can. It was only really Nintendo that held onto the cartridge for too long. Which they still are. And this is also when the Game Boy came out. Oh my God, did you see how many it sold? Nearly 120 million Game Boys got sold. That's more than all the other consoles being sold. 
yeah. Game Boy dominated the market for ages. Like nobody really updated the handheld system. So Game Boy was just around forever. Like I even remember when I was a kid midway through the 90s, still buying like a Game Boy. Oh yeah, still buying all the games for Game Boys. You got to do that. And then they came out with Game Boy Color, which he really gives a crap. They but- did the Game Boy Pocket as well. Which was just a smaller Game Boy, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just more compact Game Boy. That's true. Because my little brother got a Game Boy that was like really thin. Like it kind of blew my mind that like it was already small. Oh my God, this is like so small. This is like convenient small. This isn't just handheld small. And then mm. when you touch an old Game Boy after touching the new ones, it's like, mm. you know, TVs today. Like everyone has a flat screen mm. and you get used to that. But then you go back to like an old TV and you're like, oh my God, these things are fat ass. I never realized. I do remember when I was a kid though, I wanted to get a Game Boy and my dad saw something at a secondhand store, which apparently was better. And it was made by Sega and it was called a Game Gear. Ha ha ha. What a sad story. We all know this. And unlike the Game Boy, it was in color. That's why it's better. So I ended up getting a Game Gear, which is like three times the size of a Game Boy. And the games on there were not really that great and they weren't very easy to find. They still sold like 10 million of them. It's not 120 million. No, and it (laughs) took like six... I know it was eight AA batteries. (gasps) So that would have been heavy ass. And it would last for about 30 minutes. So the only realistic way I had to play it was we plugged it into the wall because it had a little wall adapter. The fact that you could plug it into a wall. Could you do that with a Game Boy? I think you could. There was a power pack for the Game Boy. Okay, it never came up with me. Because I remember having it because I would trade between using the Game Boy portably and plugging it into the wall. But I remember with this, yeah, I had to have it always plugged into a wall somewhere. So essentially it is just a console because you always need to plug it in. It's a console with a built-in screen. It's like when they say that a boombox is like a portable music. Like, Mm. no, it's not. It's actually rather big and bulky. But (laughs) technically, you can pick it up and carry it somewhere. Yes. So eventually, like years later, I did get a Game Boy and go with the more trusted. Yes, which they owned and they had so many games. And they actually had a lot of good games on it. I want to know about the Atari Lynx, though. This is Atari still trying to stay into the market. Which, (laughs) you just, I like that reaction. Ben's just hovered over it to see the picture of it. And it is the grossest thing I've ever seen. What is that? It looks like a maxi pad. It does. It kind of looks like a tiny hoverboard but yeah. with like buttons I don't know it just looks weird and it has four buttons it doesn't look players. like a cell phone like a mobile phone it looks more like one of those cordless phones you have at home in the 80s and then you've also got the Turbo Express which is PC Engine we're still in the game guys <laughs> the people are out there they want more from us again underselling everyone but they still sold one and a half million have you ever sold a million and a half of anything no I guess not so shut up <laughs> <laughs> can't even get a million and a half people for free yeah exactly Exactly. Yeah, I can't even give away. It's not how it works. So no, we're it, finally up to fifth generation. We are. And this has got the PlayStation. That's the headliner for this one. PlayStation. It was a great era. Th- that is when we went from cartridges to discs and everything changed. Because then we could burn games at quite affordable amounts. Oh, because no, they had this. the PlayStation was 32-bit, but they also had the Nintendo 64 on here, which is famously 64-bit, but hence it, the name. But I would say that the PlayStation had better graphics than the 64. I think because the 64 was still cartridge. Because you can't really fit too much on a cartridge. Like, I think it's only 30 meg or something like that. Whereas a CD, you could fit 640. 
50 meg. Now with like downloading and Blu-ray and shit like that, they can do like gigs worth of data. So... Oh my God, they sold a lot of Sega Saturns. Comparatively. Really? I wouldn't think that... Yeah, I thought that was a miserable failure, but they sold over 9 million of them. The PlayStation (laughs) owned this generation though. It absolutely did. Over 100 million sold compared to like Nintendo 64 only did like 33 million. Yeah, which is quite a huge difference. Like PlayStation dominated. I like the idea that Nintendo started this gangster shit and this is the motherfucking thanks they get. Sorry, I got sidetracked with an Ice Cube song. I like that Nintendo started this whole thing and like Sega just followed. It's like, okay, we're not making as much, but we'll get them next time. Okay, we didn't make as much, we'll get them next time. Then PlayStation just rocks up and goes, all right, I guess we're in charge now. And Sega still does worse than Nintendo. PlayStation did come out like two years beforehand by the looks of it. So they were able to get a grip on the market in that time because it was a really well-made system and it did a lot of revolutionary stuff we hadn't seen before. And they got a lot of games out there. Though Nintendo did try this one. This only got 770,000 bytes. Oh, the Virtual Boy. That's the the headset thing. Where everything is in red. And it's really bad for your eyes and you can only play it for about five, ten minutes before like the 3D effect completely disappears. So you're wearing like a headset and you're holding a controller. So you wouldn't even be able to see the controller you're holding. So you'd have to be very familiar with the outlay and how it feels. Virtual reality is something that hasn't really taken off that much in gaming. No, it doesn't work properly and it's really bad for your eyes, generally speaking. I think it's just something that we don't need. Nobody's really cracked the code where there's anything good yet. They tried augmented reality, which is where it's virtual reality mixed with real reality. So you're seeing like things put into things. There's that thing like around Laser Force or something where you can play like the computer game with your friends. You're in a building and Mm. you're shooting things that appear in your goggles, but you're Mm. also there with your friends. Yeah, that's augmented reality. Yeah, it's really expensive. People have been trying to do that, but nobody's really cracked the code how you can put something over your eyes and still enjoy the game. It comes down to the Wii effect. (laughs) If they put something over your eyes, you're expected to do something. And I can't eat Oreos and like play this computer game because I got these things over my eyes. When we're playing computer games, we're doing other stuff as well. I want to drink. I want to like eat. I might have to like look under the couch for something because like Ali's yelling out, where's this thing? I can't have these goggles on. I can't be swinging a tennis racket. I don't want anything where I have to move. Can I just move my thumbs? Is that okay? Can I move my thumbs? Though wouldn't it be cool if you came into my house, I gave you like a set of glasses and this weird like plastic gun. And then all of a sudden you saw the gun looked like it was like a real AK-47. That'd be cool. And then all these zombies started bursting into my house and we had to like fend it off. And eventually they get us and then you just see game over appear in front of you. That's pretty cool. See, that would be fun. Because if you look at games though, that's too one dimensional. I would love that. But the cost it would take to get that to how long it would be until I'm kind of bored of it. Yeah, I'd get bored pretty quick with that. Exactly. Sounds simplistic. It needs something more you need like a badass hero and then you need like a princess in a castle and some sort of uh hit song probably by (coughs) will i am then you need like a planet which no one's heard of maybe an italian i don't know wouldn't hurt what if you had a game where it was like a little mario platformer but it level was just hovering in front of you so you could walk around and look at it from any angle see that would be cool like a hologram kind of thing but only visible because of your glasses the idea that you can walk around and do your normal stuff while playing this game like kind of like a game boy but it's like on you then i guess may as well just play game boy i think the one technology like that that blew my mind is 
where they were talking about prospective televisions. So oh, yeah. you could be sitting on one end of the couch and I could be sitting on the other end of the couch. And so what it looks like is on the TV to you is different to me. So I could be watching one show and you could completely be watching another show. Just because of how it's projected out. Yes. You know the things that it's usually on a magnet when you move it and it changes what's on it? It's kind of similar to that, but they're doing it with TV. That's cool. So the idea is, is you can sit in the lounge room with your girlfriend. She can watch her shitty show and you can watch a good show. But then you've both got headphones on. That's the downside there. Unless they could get it down to projected sound. That'd be cool if they could split that so you hear one thing and she hears a different thing. That'd be great. You just do not hear the other person's. I mean, I like how much time and effort into the technology so that we don't actually have to like get along or compromise. Mm -hmm. Everyone knows that they don't want to watch the same show as their girlfriend, right? Yeah. Okay, we're trying to fix that. We're going to change the game. (laughs) No longer will you have to compromise. Even then I know that, you know, why don't you want to watch my show with me? Well, I want to talk to you about my show. No, I thought this was our thing that we do together. (laughs) Why is Married at First Sight our thing? Why can't our thing be, I don't know, Playboy Mansion or something? Or Bruce Lee movies. Yeah, Bruce Lee movies. We could do that together. (laughs) I know if Ali said to you, I want to watch through the entire Bruce Lee collection, you would get very excited by that. Yeah, I am down. (laughs) I am so down. Uh, But probably not going to happen. Recently, uh, Samurai Jack did a season after like a decade off they made another season and I sort of went oh I haven't seen this in a while I'll watch this I haven't seen much of it but I'd like to see it and she watched it with me to my surprise which it's more common on my attitude towards women than her but she loved it she's like this is great and I'm like hey let's get the whole season she's like the whole series she's like yes let's do that and we're watching it and I'm like this is our thing how cool is that I feel like one for me yeah I feel like I snuck something in like under the radar like not at all she has cool taste but (laughs) but I feel like I got one like for the men <laughs> just don't look any further into it otherwise it won't seem like a victory so you do have the weakest selling console in this generation the Apple Pippin now, is so that- is that by Apple Apple yeah Macintosh by Apple Computers so they tried to get into the race then and that is like kind of crappy it looks like an Apple version of a Nintendo yeah and they have this weird boomerang shaped controller yeah it kind of looks like Mario's mustache it's weird in 1996 we all thought that Apple were failures they were they were never coming back they did a good job in the 80s now they should just leave and let the big boys take care of it yeah now they're like the biggest computer company out there but they still haven't got a console when it all started you had like microsoft ibm and apple so ibm is that still a thing do they still make computers that's what they do right they make computers wasn't that like microsoft like was leaked in with that uh no different microsoft was uh bill gates and he did software ibm did the actual computers back then (laughs) it was microsoft and apple essentially they were the computers these days apple is phones and Microsoft is like video games and shit. What the hell happened? Who's making the computers? Yeah, where are the computers coming from? Lennox? Well, here's an interesting question. Do you reckon that iPhone counts as a video game console because mobile games have become a whole thing? Well, I have seen something about this and like technically if you're talking about video games, they are video games. If it's a game and it's played, it's a video game. If you include those games, women play more video games than men. Oh yeah, Shannon loves her iPhone games. Yeah, they can barely get her away from them. The Candy Crush and the... She's played every iteration of that. Anything that you can crush, soda crush, all the different like... (laughs) She crushes Frozen things, (laughs) themes and skins. She's played all the different versions. She's playing one now where she's got to crush candy little things so she can get points so she can rebuild a house. Okay. I don't understand the premise. The premise is very... It doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. And also think like of all the games you've played of the premises to them. If you had to explain it to her, it's just as 
stupid. Ours just is more elaborate and expensive. At yeah. least hers is free. I mean, mine are all basically the same. You're a guy with a gun who runs around shooting people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> or you're someone who's got to get to the end of the level and destroy this big bad guy yeah you gotta kill people until they get harder and harder until eventually you kill their boss which i always feel like if you told people hey i'm gonna kill your boss they'd probably let you through like if i was in a tumble with a guy like hey what are you doing here i'm gonna fight you and he's like oh, i've come to kill your boss like oh well this doesn't involve me i guess i get to go on a long lunch break then bye especially the second last boss because he, he would be up for a promotion after this like he's like so if i let you pass without fighting you then you'll destroy him and I get to be boss then I get to be in charge of all of it this is a win for all of us you should have just called me I would have let you through like the side entrance forget all those minions that you had to kill along the way although I'm sure it helped you level up yeah video games never seem to nail into office politics and I do like the idea that the toughest guy who is the best fighter all he ever does is like sit at this chair at the top of a building like that doesn't sound like what the best fighter would do technically if you were a really efficient functioning business of evil you would obviously have your best guys at the bottom doing all the killing if you're like a level one minion shouldn't you really just be an admin or logistics of the company i mean you're not really adding much they also have the one that started this whole generation <laughs> the fm towns marty which of of course we've all heard of the famous fm towns marty well it seems to have only been released in japan so i'm assuming in japanese that doesn't sound as lame only forty-five thousand sold so i'm assuming it does sound as lame probably sounds lamer in japanese because to them they would have been frustrated they would have gone we sold 45 5,000. We're the most advanced system on the market right now. <laughs> What's going on? We're the first of a new generation. We and can't even beat it. They've even got Atari still in there. Yeah, the what? Atari Jaguar. What's a Sega 32X? That looks gross. This is another plug-in for the Mega Drive by the looks of it. It looks like, yeah, it's a cartridge that goes on top of the Mega Drive. And it makes it 32-bit now instead of 16. So it doubles the graphics on your Mega Ooh. Drive. So that way they would only have to sell the add-on and you wouldn't have to buy a whole new console playing the original saints road now which is a very old game but i've got a big new age tv it's where the tvs are now too big for the games there's certain guys hair that is just like this fuzzy pixel thing because the game never expected that people would have tvs that big when they made it so let's go down to oh this is where they go to the handheld consoles because that's where you get the game boy light which yep. i guess is the game boy pocket the game boy color oh the, the neo, neo geo, geo pocket, pocket. <laughs> which it never actually got a release oh and, and the neo actually... geo pocket color which looks more like a Game Gear. The yeah, Nomad. The Genesis Nomad. That looks it seems, seems to be the only competition the Game Boy had. I think it's people who left the handheld market like, yeah, we'll just let them have it. Did they release the Virtual Boy again? Or is that in the other one? Because that still says they sold a lot. Yeah, that's the Virtual Boy, the same one. This one now it says making it portable, it was 770,000. Still a poor selling system comparatively. This is the time when we've they've decided that video games are for boys and mm. we've got to market them towards boys. So you know what? we're going to do? We're going to make a pocket system and we're going to give it the most manly name. We're going to call it the Wonder Swan. <laughs> that will sell the Wonder Swan. What the hell is that? I don't know. It doesn't even come up with a picture. Oh, there, oh, there it is. is. What is that? It looks two, like two controllers. Two directionals and then two other buttons plus a select and a... And it's kind of see... It, ew. Looks like a pager. Just imagine going, Wonder Swan will be synonymous with gaming. <laughs> People want to go down and play their Wonder Swan. All right. Now we're up to sixth generation and that's where it's all happening. Okay. Dreamcast. Remember? 
over that. I remember the excitement with the Dreamcast coming out because it had so many innovations. Like you could play four players at once. Yes. Internet connectivity and the most advanced system so far, but completely flopped and no one wanted it. As soon as it got released, no one really cared because it was still two years before the PlayStation 2 was going to come out. And it was technically more advanced than everything else. But it was the first of that technology. It's the same as GameCube. Remember GameCube? Nintendo was slipping then. But Nintendo has released a lot of stupid things that have flopped, but they've always had enough to keep going. Well, it's interesting in this generation because you've got the Dreamcast, the PlayStation 2, the GameCube, and the Xbox. And gaming used to be Sega versus Nintendo. This is the like, first generation. Like when we generation. started this page, it was Sega versus Nintendo. Those two systems were outsold by PlayStation and Xbox. And this was the first Xbox that ever came out. And I remember when Xbox came out, they really promoted it towards, all right, you guys, you're gamers. This is for the gamer. This isn't like the, oh, we're Nintendo and you can play golf or whatever. This is for the serious game. If you're into like games where you shoot people, you want an Xbox. Yeah, I remember Halo was good. It was one of those games where on not the first level, the first level you're in a spaceship, but then after you get out of that, you go into this area where it's big and open wide and there are trees everywhere. And it was them just showing off, look what the graphics can be like yeah, on the system. Yeah, look what we can do, like just to show off. PlayStation 2 did a lot as well, yeah. where they were just trying to show off the graphics. But meanwhile, like you said, 155 million PlayStation 2s sold. That's more than all the others combined, more than double the others combined, more than triple the others combined. Well, that's the highest selling system we've seen so far. Nothing's beat that. Like this is clearly the generation when PlayStation took over, Xbox came in and went, hey, I know we've never done anything before, but we're better than Nintendo and Dreamcast. Uh, and this is also at a point where in a couple years time, they were going to release a new system. So it didn't have a decade to pick up those numbers. It only had a couple of years because PlayStation 3 came out in 2006. So it did that in six years. And then they had in the handheld consoles, the yep. Game Boy Advance, but also the N-Gage. What's an N-Gage? It was made by Nokia. Oh my God, it's a phone. It was the first gaming console phone hybrid. So it's an actual phone? Yes, it's a phone that you can play games on. It's like a Game Boy phone. I reckon people went like, what, so you play games on your phone? <laughs> That'll never catch on. I remember I was going to get one at one stage because I thought it seemed like a neat idea because I could <laughs> have a phone and game console in one. But then I played some of the games on it and oh my God, were they shit. Yeah, terrible games. Oh, uh, they seemed like games that would have come out like 10 years earlier. Which is Nokia all over. So it was a very poorly put together system. If it had came out like a decade earlier, it would have been state of the art. But because it came out when it did and it's against the Game Boy Advance. I don't know why the Game Boy Advance sold 81 million. I mean, it's essentially a Sega Game Gear, but it's purple. But also, I guess the graphics had updated yeah, and it, was... it took less power. Then here's one in the seventh generation that's been coming up this whole podcast. The Wii and the Xbox 360. Now, this is where I'm up to technologically. I've never gone past this point. <laughs> I think this is where I jumped back into consoles. Wait, though so I jumped in later. Okay, so I'm currently stuck in the seventh generation. So we're only up to the eighth generation, so you're not doing too bad. <clears throat> this is uh, Xbox 360, PlayStation 2. Whereas we're now currently dealing with the Xbox One and the PlayStation 4. Okay. But everyone was hyper successful in this generation because you had Xbox 360 was the lowest selling one and it sold 84 million. Huge. PlayStation 3 only sold like 86 million. Which I've never touched a PlayStation 3. As far as I'm concerned, a PlayStation 3 is just a PlayStation 2. I don't remember hearing much about the PlayStation 3. I guess the well, Wii superseded it. It was a big thing of like, which way are you going to go? Because you're not going to get both. You have to pick one. But you're right. I think now that you look at this generation, there's three kinds. Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo. They all did really 
really well. Clearly the problem that was fucking everyone up was Sega. Yeah, Sega just left in the last generations. They make games now, I think. They did the Dreamcast and went, fuck it. <laughs> All right, clearly this was a bad idea. Let's just move on with our lives. Yeah. Though no one's beat the PlayStation 2's 155 million sold. I think it was just the perfect time with the perfect technology at the perfect price. And then you had the Nintendo DS came out in the handheld market. Which 154 million. That's nearly as many as PlayStation 2's. I mean, it's a smaller yeah, thing. Yeah, that's just the, shy. Actually, now that you mention it, the DS was everywhere. People love that DS. DS is a good system. It's got like the little touch screens and everything. And you had the PlayStation Portable, which I remember that. That was oh, all right for a while. And then it just disappeared. They never kept going with it. Okay, so eighth generation. An eighth generation, which, which is the one I think we're up to now. All right, rock on, guys. So yeah, then the Wii U, which I think the problem with the Wii U is no one knew it was a different console. I've never heard of it before in my life. Its controller has a little screen on it that's a touchpad. And people saw that and go, so is it just the controller and that can be used with your Wii? And it's like, no, 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 it's a completely different system. Well, that's their fault. They've got to always make them look different. Like with the Xbox 360, there's different kinds of Xbox 360s. They always made them different. Like either like it's more flat or it's more X-y or it's more thinner. You need to be able to distinguish that it's different from the last one. That's why PlayStation 1 and 2 look so different. Nintendo really screwed that up. That's on them. And you had the PlayStation 4 that clearly won at 91 million units sold. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. It completely creamed Xbox, which I always hate the title Xbox One because now when you're talking about the original Xbox, how do you describe it? You just It's just Xbox. It's like Nintendo. They should have called it Xbox 361. Oh, I hope that Nintendo comes out with a Nintendo One now. <laughs> Nintendo One. You mean the original? No, I mean the 2019 one. Shut up. Well, Nintendo did the Nintendo Switch as well in this generation. Which did better than the Wii U. Combined, <clears throat> they did better than Xbox. Have you seen the Nintendo Switch? No, I've never seen one before. Because it goes between being a handheld console and being what you can play on your TV. But what does that mean? Does that mean that you can play the same game portably <clears throat> as well as on the TV? Yes. So it means it's just a Game Boy that you can plug into your TV? Pretty much. Why is that good? I don't know. It just is. Okay. <laughs> Because it has a thing where you load it in there that's got a screen on it. And so when that's loaded in, then it appears on your TV. But then you can get the controllers, split them off and click them onto the side of that little screen, take it out and play that same game on the go. Okay. So So you can sort of have your choice. Do you want to play it like a Game Boy or do you want to play it on your TV screen? It's set up for both. Okay. But you're playing the exact same game when you're out in public as you are like on the TV. Exact same game. Well, that kind of would limit what it could do, wouldn't it? I don't know. I think a lot of the software is inside the thing. It probably looks better on the TV. It always does. I'm glad they tried it, Mm -hmm. whether it's good or not. What's a PlayStation Vita? That's another portable PlayStation that didn't really do too well. It sold Uh 15 million units. That's all right. And you got the Nintendo 3DS that went up to 74,000. I mean, looking at this, Nintendo should just stick to portables. They do own the portable market. I never really thought of that, but that is still a thing. I mean, phones are kind of destroying, but every time they release a generation, millions are going out. Their original Game Boy sold 118 million units units. That's second after the PlayStation 2, I think. Actually, I think there was one more that sold more than that. But Yeah, there was the Nintendo DS sold nearly as much, which yeah. is Nintendo Portable again. Actually, Nintendo DS, yeah, 154. So that's only just under the PlayStation 2. So they do well in the handheld markets. PlayStation has that one that creamed the records. Nintendo's just creaming the records every time it releases a handheld device, mm, except for the Virtua Boy. That's, cl- yeah. <laughs> that's clearly their gig. Everything else that they're doing, they should possibly just stop and just 
just focus on like little handheld things. Technically the handheld ones are being taken over by phones, but also the TV ones are being taken over by computer games. And so I think over the course of this episode, we have listed every console that has ever come out. Good on us. And we made it to the bottom of that list. That's pretty nice. So I think we're running long, so let's do this. What do you want to rate the page? I would have to rate this a Nintendo DS out of a possible Magnavox. Because <laughs> a DS, like, I found this rather surprising. I knew that it was a nice game console, but I didn't realize how well it had done, and it surprised me. And so did this page. This page really did surprise me on things I didn't know. All this ColecoVisions and Pippin Apples and stuff and all this stupid stuff that we've never heard of that they tried. Someone actually tried to put on a console and it didn't work. I'm glad that it exists, like the DS. And out of a Magnavox, because, hey, that's how it all started. How primitive a starting, is it not? Yeah, just a couple of green squares on a screen. Like Genius has been able to see the end from the start. If someone showed you this thing where they're like, hey, you put the like the tennis court picture over your TV and you see the dots, would you have looked at that and gone, this will never catch on. This is the dumbest thing ever. This is going nowhere. Or would you be like, someday I'll be throwing money at virtual strippers because of this. <laughs> this is the future right here. <laughs> In a blink of an eye, I could see how I'm shooting down Taliban members. <laughs> see, I probably- My own farm. See, I probably would have become absolutely obsessed with it. I would have been like, look at all the ways I can move the square. Because I've always liked games when they were more simplistic. Now they get a bit more complex. I find them harder to play and I don't enjoy them as much. I like a game where it's like, there's two buttons. If it's not that button, it's the other button. <laughs> uh, that's true. The amount of games I've played where there's a button I've never pressed the entire time I've played it. And then you find out that it does something that would have made the whole game so much easier. <laughs> that's the shoot button. My character can shoot? <laughs> oh my god, I've been trying to avoid them. I thought it was like the game, like Sonic, you know, don't get hit. <laughs> That's pretty much what I thought. What do you think, Ben? Well, I'll give my rating out of eight because there were eight generations of consoles. And out of that, I would probably give it a five, hmm. but mostly because the fifth generation of consoles are probably my favorite because it's got the PlayStation and the Nintendo 64 and also the FM Towns Marty. That's the definitive console to me. Don't you kind of want one now? I do. I just want to see what games they have. Do they have a Back to the Future game? Because it makes me think of Back to the Future. It does it with Marty. Yeah, just because it's got Marty in there. And it didn't fly. <laughs> or the Wonder Swan. Yes, that's cute. See, the fifth generation just seems to be the best. It definitely does. That's the turning point. It might also be our age at the time. I mean, I did like things that came afterwards, like the Xbox and the Xbox 360. And also the Wii, I didn't really mind. But I think that's all the ones I've played. I haven't played any at the PlayStation 4 too much. I think the only game I've played on a PlayStation 4 is a remake of the original Crash Bandicoot. So the graphics were updated and it shows you a little of what the graphics used to look like. And I was like, oh, I didn't understand they used to look that bad. <laughs> Only side by side comparison does it make you realize, yeah, how far we've come. Oh, we have come a long way from putting stickers on the front of our televisions. <laughs> I still think that that's a funny idea though. I like the idea that there was some printer out there who's like, there's this new thing called video games. We're going to make a fortune printing these things that go in front of TVs. What if they just make those things come up on the TV since the TV makes images? Shut up. This is the future of printing. I wonder if when they released future consoles, whether the stickers were back compatible. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is a uh, super tennis. It's really good tennis. The graphics are better. We've got a better artist. Exactly. It's a photo now. <laughs> we just took a photo of it. Look how photorealistic it is. And it's just a photo sticker just stuck on the front of your TV. <laughs> All right. Well, other than that, we've just got the plugs, which is humidor.com.au. Find the, us on Facebook. The YouTube. 
YouTube channel. Email is wikireviewpodcast at gmail.com. And yeah, like I said, for everything, just go to humidor.com.au or check us out on Facebook. Or your preferred podcasting app, but you've already found us. But yeah, hey, if you're on those apps, like give us a five-star rating or something. I'm told that's important. Yeah, give us ratings or comments and stuff like that. We really do appreciate it. All right, well, that's been it for this episode. I've been Ben Graw. I've been Garth Remington. And we'll catch you on the next Wiki Review. Find Humidor on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and at humidor.com.au. Theme is I Live for the Bass Drum by DJ Searle. All other music by Matt Graw. Hmm.